Next up, 11 sci-fi movies from the 1970s that were better than Star Wars? That's a big claim. IHOP revisited. Did the B in IHOP stand for a big winner or a major bust? Patrick Stewart says, make it so to another stint as Captain Jean-Luc Picard in an all-new Star Trek series that nobody will ever see. Advice we'd give our younger selves about a career in marketing. Plus a whole bunch of other stuff in the key of awesome. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everyone rules the world. Hey, I forgot what show this is, but welcome. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> episode episode something. I think it's, it's ours. Uh, it's our yes, show. It's our show. I just can't remember which episode. We're going to have a one year celebration probably coming up next month. Oh my God. I think it was September, end of September last year that we started the show. Can you believe That's it? pretty fun. It feels like it was just last month when we started, but at the same time, when I look at how many topics we've covered, it, it's definitely been a while. You know, it, we, we've been joking about this now for God, you know, month and a half, you know, IHOP decided that, you know, I'm going to really stand out in the marketplace by getting rid of the P and adding a B and making it for burgers. Yeah. And uh, and apparently it's it's been working. The the right. sales have quadrupled. You know the burger sales. Now notice they qualified that the burger sales have quadrupled after IHOP became IHOP. So yeah. the question is is what happened to the rest What's of the it sales? Did they, yeah, did they basically <laughs> just exchange you know pancake sales for burger sales, or, or is it really net new? And and you know quadrupling. I'm imagining yeah. it's probably net new. They probably actually did pretty good. Which you know give it give props. I thought it was pretty lame, but they're lame all the way to the bank. And you know you gotta you. Gotta to give them props for that. They got into the conversation, their sales, I guess, up a percent increase in same store sales for Q2. So I haven't seen exact numbers, but anything up is good. One of the one of the articles that I read was talking about how they've really kind of laid the groundwork for it being more like a Denny's or more like one of those places where you would go around the clock as opposed to going just for breakfast in the morning. That makes an argument for actually doing a real brand change. It was a fun stunt and it got everybody talking about it. But if you're really going to try to position away from pancakes might not want pancakes in your name at least not laid up as, as prominently so it's interesting true. to see where they go from here yeah that's a good point that's a good point as long as it's international house of pancakes i'm not going to think about going there for dinner so i was on vacation most of the week so i'm just catching up with stuff but one of the big announcements this week was that patrick stewart is saying you know make it so again to Captain Jean-Luc Picard on CBS Access, their streaming service, which was kind of like a disappointment. It means I quite literally may never see it. On one side, I'm, I'm stoked. Patrick Stewart. I mean, coming back as Jean-Luc. I, I, I mean, that's awesome. I am so excited about that. And then I'm totally crushed by the fact they're putting on their lame video on demand service. And yeah. it's like, you're, it's like saying, you know, Hey, we've got this really great car and we're not going to put any wheels on it. So you can't drive it <laughs> unless, you know, you come and help us pick it up and carry it around. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about 11 sci-fi movies from the 1970s that some are arguing are better than the original Star Wars episode, whatever the hell that was, episode four, New Awakening. We'll be back in a second. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our all-new website at rickandrick.com, where you can listen to new and archived episodes, join in on the conversation, or, you know, just make fun of our photos. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. You see how I did that? It was clever. Wasn't it? I like that. All right, we are back, and we're going to have a, quite the conversation here. It's hard to get my head around this just because I think we all view 1970s sci-fi through the prism of what Star Wars has become. So you sent over an article from... Geek.com. Geek.com, yeah, and it was 
opining anyway that there are at least 11 sci-fi movies from the 1970s that uh, that may or may not be better than Star Wars. So what's on this list? You know, they have some stuff that uh, that didn't didn't surprise me at all. You know, we had uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, Westworld yeah. again. You know that that defined a genre. They had Silent Running. They had Logan's Run. Alien. You know, you, you can't have the list without having Alien, right? Yeah, Definitely yeah. in that list. Man Who Fell, Fell to Earth. Then they have some really weird ones, which I had never even heard of. They had Inframan. They had The Terminal yeah. Man. They had Galaxy Express 999. Uh, I want to say I've seen a boy and his dog, but I have. I, yes, I, I, it's Sleeper. Like you know, so some of these were just like I Slaughterhouse Five, which which was an interesting movie. I just don't think it belongs on the list. So I was totally conflicted with this. And some of them was like, yeah, I bet you there are some movies that were better than Star Wars. And then on the other hand, it's like, but this one isn't it. And right. so I mean, you know, I had this an emotional good. roller coaster going through the right. list, which which that's probably what they were trying to do as a vocal conversation and get the people going, and and they certainly got us going. So yeah, what, what was your take? Star Wars, I do think we view what it is or what that movie was through the prism of what it came to be. For me, I was very little kid when it came out. And even as a little kid, when I saw Star Wars, I loved it, just like every kid. But for me, I felt like this is a great homage to what other people have done before. And it was in conflict with what everybody was saying at the time. Oh, this is totally different, totally new, you know, whole new thing. It was in a a way because of the special effects and and became such a big, you know, phenomenon at the time. But for me, it was always that homage to those old serials that were on after school, you know, the old ones from the 1940s. 40s, Flash Gordon and Dick Rogers and all those shows. Uh, and I loved it for that, but I, I recognized it for what it was. And when you look at this list, I think that where Star Wars, I think, cuts away from some of these is that it was fun. Like the other movies are pretty serious. If you think about sci-fi in the 1970s, they were exploring ideas about the future or possibilities. And, and Star Wars did it all in a way that was light. It was it was just fun. Yeah. I, I think it was the combination of really good timing, you know, a well put together, thought provoking movie and hitting the market with something that attracted kids all at the same time. And that, you know, trinity of things coming together at the same time is what caused that thing to grab root, right? Yeah. It kind of, everything got rolling and it just snowballed and, and it grew and got this cult following. And so I, I think I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, so coming up with other movies that maybe were arguably better, you know, it doesn't seem like that far of a stretch. If you look at any other movie on this list, these were not for kids. It, you know, that's what was Star Wars was different is that it was fun and light and had that adventure element that could appeal to kids of all ages. But some of these other movies are really good. Logan's Run, really good. Remember, 1970s, people were talking about overpopulation. and Is the world going to be able to support right. you know, gazillion right. human beings? And so this movie looks well, at what happens when you have to die when you're 30. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, <clears throat> and don't forget Soil and Green, right? Where, yeah. you know, we basically had run out of food and, you know, anyway. So yeah. yeah, and this is my point, you know, at the time, these were the types of science fiction movies that were out yeah. there. You yeah. know, you think of, you know, Westworld, you think of Alien, you think of Close, well, Close Encounter is not as bad, but, you know, Mad Max, you know, there there was a lot of heaviness to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here comes Star Wars, where yeah. it, it's not as heavy, it's got a deep story, but it's not like that really depressing, heavy. And right. frankly, it was something that worked for the whole family, it worked for yep. the dad, it worked for the mom, it worked for the kids. 
It was the fun-filled sci-fi event of the year. Boy and his dog. Have you ever seen this movie? You know, I want to say I have, I, but I, I can't think of what it is right now. Yeah, I only saw it probably about three years ago for the first time. It was one of those movies where I'd heard of it, never saw it, and it was on like AMC or something. I sat down and watched it. Um, it's Don Johnson. It's post-apocalyptic world. I think everybody's living underground. But I think this bad conglomerate wants him because he can produce sperm or something, if I remember correctly, because they want to repopulate. Along the way, he runs into this dog, Vic, that is telepathic. So he's talking to him and that just blew it for me. It was kind of like Shaggy DA's post-apocalyptic adventures or something. <laughs> It, it just it did not. It even looks like the Shaggy DA just didn't work does, for me. Um, Terminal Man, I want to say, and by the way, I want to say on these this list, a couple of them are Michael Crichton. So here, the writer of Dra and creator of Jurassic Park, he had Terminal Man, which I know I saw, and I know I read the book, but I can barely remember any of it. Sleeper was good, I would say. See it. It's Woody Allen, so it's really different, but it's it's it is good. If it were to be heralded as a better movie, then it would definitely be living up to its name because I'm sure most people listening to this have never heard of Sleeper. <laughs> uh, but but it is a good movie. Westworld now. So you know what it is, is that didn't have as much relevance in the 1970s as the HBO series does today. Yeah, in yeah no, that's true. That's they true. were talking they were talking about what happens. You know, they were talking about viruses, these robotic hosts. I don't think they were called hosts, but being taken over by a virus that set them free, gave them their own sort of self-will or whatever, self-determination. And then they, of course, go crazy. That's, right. that, that's so relevant today because we are on the cusp and already creating technologies that will, will create that kind of world. And at that time, it just seemed just sci-fi, you know, crazy. Did you ever see Invasion of yeah. the Body Snatchers? That's a great oh, yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is a great movie. But you know, it, this, this proves my point. Almost every film in here except for star wars is is pretty depressing right dark, it's a man. it's a very you know dark yeah exactly it's a very dark view of what the future looks like mm -hmm. uh and and that's why i think star wars in particular was able to kind of pop up and you know be a little bit different and be a little more broad to to who's going to be attracted to it yeah. Now, if you think about this too, so Westworld was a bit of a franchise because there was a sequel, Future World, but you know that's only going to go so far. But I would point out something interesting. If you think about Star Wars, totally nailed it for all the reasons that we've talked about here. But there was another sort of model for it. You got to remember the 1970s, 1969, and then well into the 70s had a franchise hit series called Planet of the Apes. Um, right. That was exciting and fun. We used to play yes. Planet of the Apes you know? And so that was a model for it. They're not Star Wars, but at that time, there at least was a model. They had action figures. They had, you know, all the things that we've come to associate with Star Wars. It was a good precursor for a franchise like that. Right. That's true. Well, you know, there was another movie that came out in 1978, probably one of your favorites, that yeah. wasn't on this list. You know, yes. what do you think about that? Yeah, Star Superman. Superman. I think most people don't think of Superman the movie as sci-fi, but it most definitely is a sci-fi movie. He is an alien from another planet, and part of the movie happens on another planet. But let's not forget, and it was because of Star Wars, but Battlestar Galactica did have a theatrical run, the first one, and so did Buck Rogers in the 25th right. century, which were both fun. That Battlestar Galactica movie came out in 1979, so barely made it in. Yeah. So years ago, I read that George Lucas sued Universal for Battlestar because they were claiming copyright infringement because it seemed to be copying Star Wars. His own company, Industrial Light and Magic, was creating the special effects for for Battlestar. So I'm not sure why he thought, well, I'm going to sue you. But kind of driving home my point from earlier, Universal went back and said, oh, well, you're going to sue us? Okay, well, we're going to sue you back. We've got a bunch of stuff in our vault, including something called Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Lucasfilm dropped the lawsuit. And, yeah, no doubt. Like I said, Star Wars is a 
homage to 1930s, 1940s serials. It starts the exact way all Flash Gordons did with the scrolling type, and Darth is a lot like Ming. They're, they were the sort of archetypes for the characters in Star Wars. Battlestar was brought to Universal in 1972, so years before Star Wars. But it takes a while, one, to develop, and two, for the critical mass to get going or the momentum to get going. And Star Wars definitely created that once it was out, so they had a reason to go do it. But my neighbor was a reader for Universal, a reader is someone who's kind of the first pass for new ideas, scripts and whatnot, sent into a studio. She was the one who said, hey, we should check out Battlestar Galactica. This was a pretty good right story. Well, they went back to her when the Star Wars lawsuit came in and said, hey, you were the reader on this. Can you go through page by page for the script of Star Wars and the script from Battlestar and compare and contrast, say how they're alike and how they're different? So she did. They're vastly different. So there was probably never going to be a you know successful lawsuit there. Battlestar, I think, is actually in many ways a better story than Star Wars, at least in the latest incarnation, that TV series that was on sci-fi. I think it's it's a I find it a more interesting story. Absolutely. So another another 1979 was Black Hole. Do you remember that? Wow. That had gone so, into my black hole. Wait, that didn't sound like yeah. either. <laughs> I, that I didn't love that movie. Right. I can't I can't tell you <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. I had the yeah. comic books, I mean the whole thing. So that was yeah. a I was a big fan of that, maybe even arguably a bigger fan than Star Wars. I love did you ever see the Omega Man with I have it is I got, I've got to do that. You gotta you gotta remind me. So what what was, uh, what was the basic Okay, so this was it was actually a remake, but then the remake of the Omega Man was I Am Legend. This oh, is the story man. of essentially the last man on earth. That was the original movie. It was Vincent Price in The Last Man on Earth. It's written by the book was a story, I guess a short story, and the movie Omega Man was written by a guy named Richard Matheson, which I always loved as a kid. Um, <laughs> but it is post-apocalyptic world where um, everything's intact, but there's one man alive and he's being stalked by these zombies. Now, I Am Legend was, these are just zombies. They want to kill Flash or whatever. In the Omega Man, it's Charlton Heston, of course. He's the lead character and he is holed up in LA downtown or something. And the zombies... Think of the time, I think it was 71, 72 when the movie came out. I, of course, never saw it in the theater. I saw it many, many years later on afternoon TV. They were hippies. <laughs> They are cultists, I guess. They wore these black robes, which cracked me up. Like, why would you have a uniform? You guys are, you know, zombies. But they talked and they were talking about how they wanted to destroy him as the last vestiges of the way man used to be. And they were kind of Luddites that wanted to get rid of all technology and whatnot. It's exciting, but scared the crap out of me. So I would definitely check it out. It's got cool music. Uh, you'll laugh. It's so bad, but it's totally fun. Okay, so where does that leave us? You know, we just went through a whole bunch of movies that we loved from the 70s. Do we think that there were movies, you know, at least 11, that were better than Star Wars? I have to put in not better, but I guess favorite, not the same mm -hmm. thing. And I would still fall on Star Wars. I don't think it's a better movie than these, but of them, it would be my favorite of these 70s movies because of its lightheartedness, fun, adventure, that kind of thing. All right. So we busted it because I, I feel the same way. There's like, for instance, I'm a huge fan of Alien. I, I love yeah. the first Alien movie. I don't know that I'd say it's better than Star Wars. It's just so different, right? Yep. You know, you've got one that's a space opera, you know, effectively. And then mm -hmm. you've got the other one that, you know, is more of a, you know, a gritty, you know, drama story told through the eyes of people trying to survive an alien invasion. So, yep. you know, it, it's 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 so different that I, I have a hard time ranking one over the other, but I would definitely say they're both in my top 10. Using this article's nomenclature anyway, we got to say Star Wars wins. I agree. I agree.
All right, when we come back, we are going to share advice that we would give our younger selves about a career in marketing. It's tougher to kind of think of the answers there than it may seem. So hang tight and we will talk to you in just a minute. All right, we are back with Rick and Rick Rule the World and we got a question. What advice would you give your younger self about a career in marketing. You know, and this comes from, uh, you know, over time, you know, you've, we've both probably had a, a bunch of interns that have worked with us and, you know, friends of ours, their their kids are growing up, my son's about to go off to college. And as, I, as I'm thinking about this, uh, it, it kind of occurred to me, like, you know, what advice would I give these, these crazy kids about, you know, uh, marketing? And what should have I told myself, you know, 20 some years ago, 40 some yeah. years ago, 90 yeah. some years ago when, you know, I was starting it down the, the marketing. And so what, what would you do? What would you tell yourself? You know, I always, I always feel guilty when I talk about these kind of things, because I feel like I'm so undeserved. I'm so unworthy of this. I mean, I pinch myself every day, partly just because I pinch myself every day, but, but I also pinch myself every day <laughs> just because I get to do what I get to do. I feel so blessed to do what I do, get up in the morning, go to my own office, my own business. I have great clients. I have great colleagues I've met through the years who've even become great friends like my brother from another mother who is named Rick Wooten. So oh, I feel no. lucky. But I will say this, a couple things I would say. One is, I don't know about you, Rick, but when we were getting started, it seemed like everybody's going, oh, advertising is not fun anymore. It's becoming, you know, even today you hear kind of like it's becoming all automated or whatever. Don't believe any of that. You know, I, I've always been media agnostic. I didn't have to work in a TV commercial all the time. It's what works. It's how you create interesting ways to engage consumers, whether it's, you know, newfangled website, mobile, or, you know, social or online video or TV commercials or radio or print or AR or VR. We are in the ultimate golden age. And I think kids are just starting today are even going to have it you know, even better. I mean, literally, if you can imagine it, you can do it. And you couldn't do that back 10 years before we got into the business. It was going to be a TV commercial or it was going to be a, a brochure or something. So we had it way better. So don't listen to any of the prognosticators talking about doom and gloom in, in the marketing industry because it ain't true. The other thing I would say is literally to myself, and I think I would just say that to anybody maybe especially in marketing works across the board. Always listen to your gut and act on your gut a hell of a lot faster. I have only gone astray, thankfully, you know, in little bits. It was always just because I didn't listen to my gut. And then when I did act on my gut, I was looking back now, I was like, God, you should have done that 10 times faster. So trust yourself. Your gut will tell you every step of the way in your marketing career or whatever your career is. So just listen to it. That's good advice, actually. Maybe I should follow that advice right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have to remind ourselves all the time. <laughs> you know, so I, I have to say one of the things, I, I don't know, regret's probably too strong of a word. One of the things I wish I'd done a little bit different when I was younger was was a couple parts. And one of them was to just jump in and do it. And, yeah. um, you know, when I was, when I was uh, going through college, I, I kind of got sidetracked and I ended up uh, having a full-time job and going to school part-time, which meant that I stretched out the time that it took me to finish my degree and then to eventually get involved in marketing. And and I I would have to say, I, I, I do wish that I had done that differently. So one piece of advice I'd give myself would be put on the afterburners and plow through it, you know, get it yeah. done because the faster you get into this, you know, the more fun you're going to have over time. Yeah. And then the second one is, uh, you know, there's, you're going to, you know, particularly in marketing, you know, everybody's got an opinion, right? I mean, it, everybody is a consumer, so everybody's got an opinion on marketing. And it's kind of like raising kids. Everybody has advice for you when, when they find 
find out that you're a parent like oh my god you'll never have your kids sleep on your back on their back right. oh my right. god always have your kids sleep on their stomach <laughs> never have your kids sleep on their stomach and in yeah. fact they actually have changed the, the the medical recommendations on that like every four or five years and so you know what what that taught me is you know look at the end of the day nobody has all the answers you got to take you know a little bit from this person that person and put it together and figure out what you're going to do so the the advice i would have given myself was you know taking listen as much as you can put together with your own opinion and don't be afraid to ignore everything and do what you think is right we need to not be afraid to fail i think everybody needs to have a margin where they're comfortable failing and, yeah. and failure doesn't mean that you know you're trash it doesn't mean right. that you know you haven't succeeded yeah. if you're learning something from something it's worth taking the chance totally to fail. I can't, I, I fail all the time at work. We try all kinds of things and we fail, we recover, we fail, we recover, we succeed, boom. We, we yeah. you know, take that and then we amplify it. Failing small, failing fast, figuring out how to learn from it and, and then amplifying what's working. Yeah, I thought it was Steve Jobs, I think, said it. it was like, if you're not failing often, you're not you're doing something wrong. I think that is awesome. We are just so awesome. Let's just say that right now. Let's just recognize, <laughs> recognize that we are awesome. And, you know, uh, and that let people bask in our knowledge. Really helped. Yes. <laughs> Let's bask in our brilliance here for a moment. And uh, we are the light that you've been looking for, dear listeners. You can't go wrong if you listen to us. So. Anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> we need to put an 800 number at the bottom now. There Send you your money. <laughs> That's right. We only charge two ninety five per minute for the calls. That's right. Uh, we build to your mobile, and, and don't worry about a thing. We'll handle everything on the back end for you. So, all right, that is going to do it for us this week on The One Show, where everybody's name is Rick and everyone is so brilliant. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much. Bye.